I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Friday, May 8th, 2020, and this is episode 67 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is a thing that I was hoping would happen. Someone had floated this idea. I saw it talked about online a few weeks ago, and that is that Barack Obama is going to be the nation's commencement speaker. He's actually doing the most because he's doing three different commencement speeches, I saw. Um, One for HBCUs, one for, I guess, high school, and then one in general. I might have gotten that wrong, but um, I thought that was really cool. And when I first saw that, I was like, yes, please, that is what we need. It's going to be great. And I'm excited. (laughs) Honorable mention goes to this YouTube channel that my husband discovered. It just popped up on his feed and it is the best thing ever. It's called Prim's Hood Cinema. (laughs) And so it's this guy who does these recaps and like little reviews of hood movies. Boys in the Hood, Menace to Society, Set It Off. Um, you know, like he has, he doesn't have a ton. Like if you get into it, um, he's been doing it for about a year and maybe, maybe once or twice a month and then taking some months off. But they're hilarious. We've watched almost all of them. And I joined his Patreon because I got so much enjoyment out of it. I was like, oh, okay, okay, fine. I'll just add another Patreon. I don't even want to add up how much I'm spending on Patreon every month but um, I think it's worth it. You know, I like to support creators. And so if you need a laugh, they're hilarious and I will leave a link to it. But if you just search Prim, P-R-I-M-M, Prim's Hood Cinema, really great stuff. In writing news, I have started plotting. And so for me, plotting is an essential part of writing uh, in preparation for trying to do that 20K in five days um, starting May 15th. So I I still have not read the manuscript. So I'm working on the portal fantasy. And uh, like I mentioned last week, I do have something like 56,000 words written. I still have not read most of them. I've read part of the beginning and then I I stopped because my fear is that I'm going to get attached to them and that I won't want to change anything. And I know that things need to be changed. So I decided I will read what I have after I finish getting a decent outline together. So I went back through more of the materials that I had. You know, I had been working on this for on and off for a couple of years to get to that point. And I found this wonderful document that I forgot that I had. It's based mostly on K.M. Wyland's books. So she has three books that I highly recommend. If I was going to recommend one craft book above them all, it's going to be tough because Save the Cat is really up there. But Creating Character Arcs by K.M. Wyland would be fighting for first place with Save the Cat. But if you're a craft book junkie like me and want to buy them all, I also recommend structuring your novel by her and then um, outlining your novel. And you get the triumvirate. There's also workbooks that she sells. Uh, I think they're PDFs. I'm, I'm not sure. She's, she sells them on her website too. And I've gotten some of the workbooks. And I actually think this worksheet that I created was copying and pasting from one of her workbooks. But I had filled out 38 pages of workbook for this portal fantasy. And so the workbook includes things on um, like character profiles for the main characters and the side characters. And then plot stuff. There's an outline in there. 
I think I combined different workbooks too, and maybe took some stuff out of the questions in the back of her chapters. Because each of her chapters, she has key questions, and I've compiled those into various worksheets also. It's my thing. That's kind of what I do. So I realized, well, I did, I've done so much work on this. I really have. I've been steeped in this story for a long time, just in pockets between working on Earthsinger. But a lot of that I have to redo. Why do I have to redo it, you might ask? And it's not just because it's two or three or four years later and I'm a better writer. Um, It's because with the time that's passed, I think that I'm interested in different aspects of the story. Like there's some aspects of the story that are, that are always going to hold my interest and like the, the basic premise. And um, so this is a story with the dragons. Like there's a reason why this story has been in my heart, why I wanted to tell it and thinking through that. And then also thinking through where I am right now as a writer and what do I want to say now, you know? And Part of it was the character. I'd mentioned last week that the characters changed a number of times. Everything about her has changed. And that necessitates the story change. So when I was writing about, initially she was in her 20s, and she's going back to being in her 20s, but her personality has changed. I've learned more about character arcs and weaving them into the plot. And so since her, her personality, her character, her wound is slightly different, everything that emanates out of that puts you on a slightly different path. So yeah, that's why I'm, I'm looking at all the work that I've done, evaluating whether it still holds true, and then if it doesn't, changing it. And those changes just ripple. Same thing with the, the hero, the main, um, the love interest character. And I had never, I didn't have quite a good of a handle on him because the story, the POVs also changed. Like at first it was dual POV, which is my preference. And then I was trying to make it single POV and that wasn't working. I think my agent was like, why don't you try a dual POV again? And I was like, okay. And honestly, I much prefer to write dual POV, but that means he has to have his own arc and he has to have a lot more happening with him. And I've the premise and the base of the story is kind of her story. So I have to give him something to do. And as I was doing this work this week, I was realizing that it would be stronger if I made his wound in direct opposition to her actions. So basically this thing that she's doing is um, the worst thing that someone could do and be in a relationship with this guy, you know? And it wasn't like that before. It was like they had a lot of relationship conflict and they were on different sides of this like chasm in the story. But I realized, yeah, no, I need to change his backstory so that it'll hit harder, you know, so that their black moment relationship wise is just the worst thing for him. And that's just going to deepen it. It's going to make it, I think a more powerful story. So how have I been doing this other than my massive worksheets, um, which I'm going to just kind of read you. I've been looking through all of the documents that I have in my spreadsheet, these worksheets, and trying to figure out, should I edit them or should I just start from scratch? It's kind of the same as with the manuscript, actually. Like, I do like starting fresh with everything. So I'm not beholden to, oh, just because it's written there means I have to keep it. Once it's there, it feels like it's, it's um, solid to me. And so by starting over, even if I copy and paste a lot from the old documents, I still just feel like I'm starting with a fresh slate. 
I did some more work on the Enneagrams for their characters. And the Enneagrams actually have not changed from the original characters, even though other aspects of them have, which I think is really interesting. And now I'm still a little bit overwhelmed by the actual things that happen. You know, I've I've been working on the skeleton, the structure of it, and this has to happen and this has to happen. But this thing that has to happen, like a betrayal happens or, you know, a reversal or whatever, a revelation, um, the on the ground mechanics of that, I still don't know. And that's where I think reading what I have written already will come into play. Because at that point, I'll be better able to say, this has to stay or this has to go. And then I'll replace it with something else. As opposed to I mean, I generally like my writing. So when I read it, I'm like, oh, I want to keep this, you know? And so if I'm looking at it with this new structure in mind, which isn't that different from the original structure, but it's subtly different enough that it's just like a whole different book. Another thing that I am doing based on that John Truby book is thinking about the symbols in advance. Usually I think I just do a lot of things intuitively. So if there's symbols in the books, I didn't put them there consciously. They just came and they're there. Um, but it is interesting thinking about it at least ahead of time and also having, you know, a partially done manuscript. So I can look at what I intuitively already put in as symbols and now try to make them um, just do it with more conscious thought in advance and more planning. I've also started plotting with a Kanban board which I haven't done before. So I've been, as I do all this work, <laughs> I've been making notes of things that could be scenes on note cards. And so I've got my note cards, um, just a few right now. And then I was like, well, do I want to go all the way downstairs and lay them out? Because the only place I can really lay out all these note cards is the dining room table. And you know, my office is upstairs and it's just a trek. It's just regular stairs, but... I'm lazy. And I do my work here. Like I'm in my office doing work. I don't want to have to traipse back and forth. So I was like, well, let me do it online. And Scrivener has the note cards, which is nice, but I want to lay them out in the acts. And um, that just makes sense to me. So I was like, oh, I can do it on a Kanban board. So I was like, should I do it in Notion? Um, I ended up doing it in this program called ClickUp, which I use for my project management. And you could do it in Trello, any sort of Kanban board program, and there's lots of them out there will suffice for this. So I just made columns. So um, five columns, one for scenes, I don't know where they go. Then there's act one, act two, part one, act two, part two, and act three. And I've just been transferring the cards into the Kanban board and in, when I know where they go in place. And then I tag them with, oh, this is a turning point. This is a pinch point. This is the midpoint. This is, you know, the inciting incident, whatever. And that's been going pretty well. I like that. I like that I can just do it here on my computer. Um, having the tactile note cards is also nice for flipping through things and checking things off. But this is just a visual way that I can lay it out, sort of like a plot board, but not quite as messy. A caveat on the craft books, especially since I read so many of them. Some of them, and the John Truby book is in this number, are written in a, such a way that they make it seem like this is the way. Like, if you're not doing it this way, your story is trash. And I do not like that. <laughs> I like a lot of the ideas that are in the book. And 
I do like how they've made me think about the way that I plot and the way that I do characters and things like the symbols in a new way. And that's all great. But um, the sort of arrogance I feel wafting up from the page, I could do without, honestly. And there's a lot of things that I already have a system, you know, I'm not going to blow up my entire system. And that's not the point of continuing to read additional craft books. It's not to blow up your entire system that I've written X number of books with before. And I can't even say that because the system's always changing. But it's to say, hey, think about this. Why don't you think about symbols in the beginning instead of just relying on your intuition and your subconscious to put them there? That's something I can think about. For instance, another example is theme. And he wants you to do your theme in the beginning. And that, I think that would lead, for me, that would lead to more preachiness. I think the theme is another thing that's intuitive and that I realize at the end or in the middle or some other point, but I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about what is the theme of this um, right now? Because I, I think that it's going to come through. And especially for me, high compliance, it I do have to force myself to be like, okay, this just because he acts like this is the way, this is not the way, because I have a way, you know? Um, but for those of you who have taken Strength Finders, I'm an input learner and I need to learn more things. And it is a double-edged sword because I love learning about new plotting systems and craft methods, but I do have to be careful not to rush out and try everything right then because that's kind of my instinct and also not to throw away other things that really work. Um, and then overwhelm, you know, like I found this 38 page worksheet that I have to read through. And I was like, how much time did I spend on that to just do it over again? Which is frustrating. But it is my process. And I just, I'm okay with that, you know, like, I actually do enjoy it. I was working on onestopforwriters.com doing their character profiles with these new versions of these characters because that document had great stuff in it, but it was old stuff. And uh, I really enjoy that too. And one thing I really like about One Stop for Writers is that they have all these like checklists. So you don't have to come up with everything on, on your own. Like once you have the thing, like if you have the character's wound or the lie that they believe, you fill in things, and then once you make a choice, it pops up um, like a list where you can check off, okay, what are the positive qualities of this character? What are the negative qualities of this character? And once you've chosen a few, you can go deeper into them. And why do they have this positive quality or negative quality? And what does it help them do? Um, and so it's it's a lot of, it is still a lot of coming up with stuff on your own. But I like that. I just like having that, those lists of qualities and emotions and um wounds, all of the thesauruses that they have are super, super helpful for me. So I worked on the heroes character builder, and I'm going to do the heroines because I, I really wanted to focus on him since I'd given him short shrift. And I, I need, in order to fill out the rest of the plot and what happens, I think the gaps from what I've done so far are going to be his side, his POV, his character arc, and how he's impacting my heroine's journey. So plotting is fun. I do enjoy it. I love what I'm doing. I've been putting in like long hours. I've been taking big chunks of my days to do deep work on this, which is works really well for me. So I've kind of been doing alternate days, like um, because I do have work work to do. 
So I will take like five hours one day just to plot. And I did that twice this week. And then another day I'll, I'll take the bigger chunk of time to do my website development work. And then I'm still touching it every day. Like I'll do a shorter section, a shorter session, like two hours of plotting, um, on the days when I have to focus more on work. So kind of alternating has been working in terms of scheduling based on my current workload. But I just, I love sinking deep into, you know, a big chunk of time spreading my craft books and my notebooks around. I've got my worksheets on the computer. I've got things that I write on by hand. It's very chaotic, but somehow it works and I love it. Other quick things. Um, Maryland is still on lockdown. Masks are still mandatory. We're not one of those states that is opening up quite yet. I heard Ocean City like open the beaches maybe. I don't know. I didn't pay much attention to that, but um, so I'm still here and I've been watching more TV. I watched Upload on Amazon Prime, which I highly recommend with a caveat. So it is, um, near future sci-fi, which I love. It takes place in 2033. And when you dive, you can be uploaded into a virtual heaven, but it's still very capitalistic. And, um, it's a love story about this. The first episode, I was like, I don't know if I can watch this because this guy is a jackass. <laughs> But that was the point. I could see that he was going to have an arc. And it's it's really good. It's really good. A caveat is that it ends on a cliffhanger. And A, it has not been uh, picked up for season two yet. B, when and if it does, when are they going to be able to shoot season two? Like, it's a big cliffhanger. And after I finished, I had to like do some self-maintenance on myself. I was like, I, I need more. So I just stalked all the actors on Instagram. And that helped. Um, Yeah, so... I, I recommend it, but if you're the type who hates cliffhangers, then, um, yeah, mm, it's going to be tough. I also watched Sunset Boulevard for the first time. I love old movies, but I'd, I'd never seen that one. And I watched it specifically so that I could watch the lessons from the screenplay, which is a YouTube channel that does these really in-depth um, video essays on writing and, and craft, but screenplays, obviously. And they had, the most recent one was on comparing Sunset Boulevard to Parasite in terms of the disillusionment arc. And it's a great video. I recommend it. Sunset Boulevard is crazy. Like, I knew that a lot of famous quotes and just things had come from it. But seeing them and seeing how completely over the top um, Gloria Swanson was, it was it was a lot. When people are like, I love Sunset Boulevard, I'm like, do you? My brother was like, that. He was like, I love that movie. I told him I watched it. And I was like, you do? Because I can see how it's iconic and like foundational, but do you actually enjoy watching it? Anyway, I don't know how I got out of film school without watching that movie, but whatever. We, we watch a lot of black movies at Howard. I can say that. Oh, and publishing. I approved the proof for the Cupid Guild. The second story dropped um, this past Thursday. Another one coming up this coming Thursday. And that's been kind of fun. And so I don't know if I put it for sale or not. Actually, I approved the proof on Amazon. And I think it takes a couple of days for them to put it up for sale. So at some point, it'll be there. I got the Ingram Spark proof also. And uh, I just have to set aside some admin time to like, put those for sale. And I haven't done any marketing, really, like I'll post each week when they come out. I don't feel like marketing. I think maybe when they all come out, I'll maybe buy some ads or something. We'll see. 
I've heard from a couple of people who've been reading them and, um, I just, I'm, I'm glad that they're in the world again, <sighs> but I don't want to have to actually market them as usual. But that is it for me for this week. I'm taking part in a couple of online events over the rest of the month. There's a panel on May 16th with other people of color, fantasy, and paranormal authors. And I'll be doing virtual Balticon from the 22nd to the 25th. And then I'll be doing some Reddit stuff at the end of the month. And I'll try to get it all up on my calendar if you are interested in any of those things. So I hope that you have a wonderful week. And I hope that however... If you're able to go places now, or if you're not, <laughs> I hope that you stay safe and that you are staying sane with great things to do. And happy reading. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. I'd love a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. <laughs>